Hello and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Diamond, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founders of Sunset Days, Alessia and Marco Angeli. This is the kind of brand story that I love sharing. Australian startup, they're just over a year into it. The product itself is really beautiful and it's founded by two siblings who just love what they do and were really down to chat with me. What I love though about, I guess, talking to founders at this stage in their brand's development, for context, Sunset Days launched their first product, Liquid Rays, in December of 2022. It's that all the really tactile bits that come with a launch are still so fresh in their minds. They're not looking back on their launch through this wistful lens. There's no revisionist history. The advice that they can share feels as current as it is practical. The whole ethos of Sunset Days is feel good beauty. And honestly, I felt that tenfold in our chat. These are two founders who are doing this for the love of it. And they're coming at it from a really interesting spot too, which we did speak about in that they loved the jobs they were in pre-launch. So they weren't starting something of their own so they could escape where they were at. So rather than the process having this sense of urgency, they could actually just take their time with it. Of course, on top of all of that, we got to cover a lot of the things that I love getting beauty brand founders takes on, like the risks of launching with a singular skew as opposed to a full suite, whether or not they would still self-fund if they had their time over. And of course, a look at staying in your job and working on a project as a quote unquote side hustle outside of work hours versus going all in. You're really going to like listening to these two. In this conversation, Alessia and Marco share how they stayed resilient through six years of product development and plenty of no's, why starting a brand with the tagline Feel Good Beauty is actually a callback to their childhood, and why we might have early exposure to West Side Story to thank for their love of beauty. I start every single conversation right at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. What are your earliest memories of beauty? Perhaps we'll start with you, Alessia. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because (laughs) there are so many memories of beauty and it's been obviously along my journey, I feel, for such a long time. But if I have to choose the very first one, I think it would have been ever since I was like two years old, my mum, when she would tuck me into bed in my little like bumblebee doona cover... Um, She used to always say to me, you're beautiful on the outside, but most importantly, you're beautiful on the inside, which is so so beautiful. (laughs) I know. And like, as a kid, you, you sort of listen to that and you're like, that's so random mom. Like like a two, two, three year old, you're like, that doesn't even register. Yeah. But as you kind of grow up, it, you realize and you reflect back on how, you know, your mom saying something like that to you every single night can have such a profound impact on how you view yourself and how you view like beauty in the world. So hugely go yeah. mom. I know, I know, I know. I I feel so grateful that she used to say that to me. Like wow. it's very yeah. I feel so lucky. Oh my god, a young Gemma would have been like, "That's nice." Now right? tell me, I'm a princess. Yes, <laughs> yes, basically. Tell me, thing. I'm the best thing that's <laughs> yeah. ever happened to you. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Okay, Marco, what about you? So mine was a little different. So I remember, I think I was two two, and I had this old VHS of. Um, 
West Side Story, yes. the musical, so yeah. the 1950s musical. And I used to watch it and there were two scenes that I was just like floored. Like my jaw was just like on the ground. You're speaking my language yeah. straight away. It was I Feel Pretty. Yep. And and the second song was like America and I was obsessed. And yeah. I was like watching. As you should be. Yeah. And Nisha is one of the greatest roles in any is, piece right? of Hands musical theatre of all time. It's, and, and I think I played it as a kid over and over again and I wanted, I wanted to like exude that like joy and that beauty and that strength that they mm. were just and they owned that stage you know what I mean like yeah the colors yeah. and the, the costumes and the hoops the gold hoops oh, and I was yeah. obsessed I wore that VHS down until it was no longer usable and we had to buy a new one like it was <laughs> I, I was just this. captivated by yeah. these goddesses yeah I love oh my god two stunning answers <laughs> to that question <laughs> every season I'm like okay I've been asking this every episode yeah we're gonna start getting an overlap in the answers yeah nope <laughs> well done, guys. I know that you're both skincare fanatics mm. now, but was that always the case? What did each of you think you were going to be when you grew up? Did you always have an interest in beauty as like a profession? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's no surprise that, you know, I was a drama student at heart always, you know. I was speaks to me. Yeah, yeah. I was always, you know, a part of the school plays and musicals. So... Growing up, I actually really wanted to be an actress and I was like hell bound on it. Like I was, I really wanted to do it. Um, and, you know, I used to like direct some stuff and write stuff back in no. high school. And then as I kind of came towards the end of my high school journey, I was like, okay, I probably need to do something that's going to give me like a good business knowledge as well. Because I think there was always that idea that, you know, we wanted to do something together or, you know, go into business at some stage. So I was like, I should probably get a bit more of a commercial background. So then I went into commerce yeah, um, and I majored in marketing and finance. So I think, you know, that I've sort of realized through that journey that the thing that I loved the most about acting was that creative outlet mm. and that ability to sort of like, you know, draw stages and costumes and, you know, the makeup and whatnot. And I loved that part about it. And then, you know, I kind of got that piece in the marketing side of yeah. things that I was doing as well because that was still quite creative. Um, so, yeah, I always wanted to be an actress. <laughs> I love that. What about you? So it's from the, you know, from West Side Story, it was yeah. no, there was no surprise that I wanted to be a director as a kid. Like that was like like stage, musicals, um, film. But while I was in high school, so mum uh, used to travel quite a lot for work. Yeah. So she's a professor in finance now, but at the time she was lecturing and going to conferences everywhere. And so she would take us with her mm. um, and we would kind of, you know, be left alone for a day while mum was like working in a hotel room and we would always be allowed to kind of venture out, but always like within a very specific zone. It was usually high street because like the high street of any city. Yeah. You know? Because that was safe. It was, you know, yeah. it was, it was, it was good. Mm -hmm. So as you know, thirteen-year-olds, we would kind of walk around these cities like Milan and Paris and Hong Kong and Singapore, and we would just kind of walk in and out of shops. Like where we were, I think the OG Sephora kids, you know, yeah, like the ones this. that are just like yeah, yeah. yeah. So all these seven-year-olds <laughs> coming out around, we're like, no, we've been around. That for eight. We did that. <laughs> and like it was done. We were like, you know, ushered out of yeah. you know stores, but um, I remember. So in Paris, there was this store that we went into together. And it was, it was called Colette. And I don't know if you remember. Yeah. 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 I mean, yes. it was just mm -hmm. like, so I was like 13 at the time and it was, I stepped in and it was just a new world because mm. it was this concept store and this hybrid where tech met fashion met Nothing art. else like yeah. it. It was just incredible. And, you know, there were event spaces. There was a bar downstairs that only served water. You know what I mean? Yeah. From like all around the globe. And mm. I was just 
like I was a theatrical kid, but then I was just like taken <laughs> by this world. And it was, you know, and then we went to Gallery Lafayette and then we went to like Selfridges and Hong Kong Lane Crawford yeah. at Christmas. Oh. And so I was like, I, I want a department store. I want to own a department store. I like. I was like. I want to be Mr. Sel- Selfridges. Like this is it such was... a specific goal. I know. I know. <laughs> right? I know. And so achievable as a thirteen-year-old. Yeah, like, easy. There's a very clear pathway oh, to be. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's David kind Jones. of yeah. And and then I would come back to school, and you know, I was at an all-boys school, a Catholic yeah. all-boys school. Yeah. And I was so these trips were like, these trips were like almost like oasis where yeah. I could kind of be who I was. And then, you know, and this was pre-Glee. So uh, as a yeah. kid, like growing up in a Catholic all boys school, yeah. it, was, uh, it was rough. But, yeah. Um, I had my little escapes. Yeah. So. Okay, well, let's talk more about your upbringing because you've, of course, gone into business together. That's mm. why we're here. But were you always entrepreneurial? Did you grow up around people in business? Any figures that you looked up to and thought, okay, that's what I want to emulate? Yeah. yeah, so we grew up in hospitality. So ah, yeah, so we no um, one has a work ethic like oh, people oh, in hospitality. Oh, oh yeah, this is true. Yeah, particularly from like a migrant family as well. Yeah. yeah. So like, so on both sides, um, yeah, we both uh, both sides had kind of restaurants and cafes, oh. and so our grandfather first came to Melbourne in the 1950s as a tailor. So he studied yeah. in Milan. He was a bespoke wow. tailor. He opened a tailor shop here um, with his brothers, and then they saw the decline of bespoke suiting, mm. and they went. They moved into to hospitality and restaurants and I think yeah. the story goes that there was the second pizza place on Ligon Street quintessential which is, Italian um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't know Melbourne Ligon Street is kind of like it's little Italy yeah, so yeah. it was as particularly in the 80s so and then on our dad's side our grandfather came again in the 1950s but with the uh, Italian Olympic team and he wow. was their professional pastry chef so as, because you know every Italian Olympic team needs exactly Olympic right chef. carb load carb load <laughs> you know and so then he started cafes and yeah. um, and restaurants and patisseries and I think that's now come to uh, Brunetti, which is like a still on Ligon Street still today. Still on yeah. Street today. Yeah. So that's kind of that was the world we grew up in, you know. Yeah. Wow. Working yeah. and like watching family members make decisions, mm. and I was in the front with a little bow tie, ushering people into the restaurant. Unless he was in the back making cakes. Oh, yeah, with friends. the pastry oh, chefs like decorating at like three years old, and they're like, "You've got no idea what you're doing." <laughs> like. You You're can right. Take this one <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not going to sell amazing. that. This is amazing. I'm just piecing the puzzle. To, this is now the Brunetti podcast. Yes. <laughs> this is no longer beauty. Wow. We are now talking food and beverage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this explains the work ethic and the you know want to create something of your yeah. own. Marco, I know that you sort of went into law. Yeah. What drew you in that direction? Good question. I mean, good question. and I'm a partner of a law firm now, so yeah. I'm like, so I was. I'm, my I still digging uncovered that, and I'm yeah. like, how do you have the time? That mm. you know, that is an excellent question, and one which I continue to ask myself yes. every single yes. day. Yeah. Um. I I don't know how. Um. But I think law was always so. High school was you know Mr. Selfridges. I mm. wanted a department store, and I wanted some time to really figure mm. out what I wanted to do, how to do that, and yeah. so I did an arts degree, and I majored in like cultural studies and film and Italian and all of these. And I wrote all these essays about how, you know, particularly around luxury consumption and like, um, you know, how the city reflects Disneyland and like all of these like incredibly, you know, thought provoking, um, you know, very grand theses. Mm -hmm. And I was like, by the end of it, I was like, I'm very interesting at parties, but not employable. (laughs) So I was like. Very interesting. (laughs) That's why I work for myself. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I like, and we, growing up, like we always saw, you know, our family negotiating agreements and, you know, needing to understand what they, you know, what their obligations were as an employer. 
and um, you know, just reading, you know, having having the stamina to read a sixty page contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I need those foundational skills. So I did a three year JD at Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, where I just like applied myself, learned everything I possibly could, mm-hmm. um, in the hopes of becoming, you know, an entrepreneur and not actually ever practicing law. Yeah. Um, but by the time I got out, I was like, well, I know enough about a lot of things, but I haven't actually kind of done it yeah. yet. And there's, I don't think there's any learning experience quite like actually practicing the craft and the yeah, trade that you've learned. 100%. So I was like, right, we're going to be a lawyer. Yep. So, and it was only like, it was like a two or three year plan. And here I am, partner, entertainment law and media law. Yep. Um, you know, I'm wow. financing movie Killing and TV it. projects and, you know, everything under the sun. Yeah. So. Wow. I think that's kind of a nice way to go into anything. Just thinking like, yeah. oh, you know, I'll do this. Mm. for a bit and then we'll see what happens mm. I think so too because yeah, then you know you're in it like because you're just enjoying the day to day because yeah. you know so. that there's no pressure to be like well no I've I've said that I'm going to do yeah. this in five years I've got yeah. to do it yeah. Mm. yeah we'll just see how we go yeah. and you know taking every opportunity as it yeah. comes yeah. yeah entertainment I mean oh my god I can only imagine it was, it's just like the dream of yeah. dreams you know it's funny how like you know when you were really young you wanted to be a director and you've still ended yeah. up you and know? I studied film and I was like what yeah. are you doing a film degree yeah. you know yeah. what I mean yeah and it's a really niche area of law as well. Like it's not, you know, it's not like, you know, commercial law, which mm. is a bit more. It's, uh, it's fun. You get an IMDb page with all of my projects. That's so the dream. Like, yeah, it can, is the dream. You can actually talk about your clients, you know, yeah. at parties. Because you're like, wow, it's public knowledge that I worked on this project. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Alessia, your background, marketing. Yeah. You've worked on wellness brands like Swiss, Wellco, very much in that kind of wellness mm. space. What do you love about marketing? And then yeah. further to that, what drew you to the beauty and the wellness of it all specifically? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I am have sort of landed in marketing, but the area of marketing that I'm in is quite unique. Yeah. Because obviously, like I said, I studied commerce and mm. I majored in marketing and finance. And, you know, I think I've always had that creative side to me, but I've always had, always had quite an analytical brain as well. Right. Like our mum's a professor of finance, but our dad's an architect as well. So like we were sort of born oh in God, this. How like... do your parents have the time? <laughs> I know. Um, Just a family of overachievers. I mean, you know, we're out here, we're hustling. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I've always kind of had those two sides of my brain and, you know, I, I wanted to eventually go into marketing, but, um, I sort of stumbled across this job at Swiss Mm -hmm. and it was in product development actually. And, you know, it was a full-time role. I went into it thinking, you know, I won't get this as like a full-time job because Mm -hmm. I'm still studying. So I might get an internship. Spoiler alert. I got the job full time. (laughs) So I went into part-time uni, full-time work. So I extended my degree by an extra year. Mm -hmm. And I remember my first boss, Jane, said to me, I'm going to make you my secret weapon in marketing because I want to give you an operational and a supply background. Yeah. So that way when you go into marketing, you're a much more commercial marketer and you know how to get a product from go to woe. Like it doesn't happen Perfect. like the click of a hand, right? Yeah. Click of a finger. Um, so I did that and that experience was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I literally was sitting at the table with the reg team, the tech team, the quality team. I was doing, I was project managing tech transfers between manufacturing facilities because, you know, we needed to get dual supply of certain products that were, you know, doing really well and whatnot. So I had a really strong knowledge of this operational side of a business. Um, And then I also then sort of moved around a little bit. I went into packaging and labeling 
Um, and then I went into the category team, which is data analytics. So mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of customer insights and looking at scan data and, you know, doing a lot of sort of analysis and reporting, which was great as well because it showed me this other side of, you know, decision making and making sure that everything is sort of data driven. And then um, that was sort of where that – and then I went into marketing and brand management at yeah. Swiss and absolutely loved that and was able to sort of take everything that I'd learnt from this operational side and this real sort of technical formulation mm. side of things into marketing. Yeah. Uh, and then that's when I moved into Wellco. So Swiss was great because it was, you know, very retail orientated yeah. and I understood how to sort of – sell to retailers and work with them. And then Wellco was very sort of digital led, mm. you know, it was predominantly an e-commerce business. And that gave me another side of marketing, which was, you know, um, paid media and, you know, yeah. your website, you know, tech stack and all those kinds of really important parts mm. that have also, I guess, sort of helped us be here today because mm. we are still an e-commerce business. So I've sort of had this really like varied background um, in marketing. So it's not what you would think is this sort of traditional, you know, advertising, flashy, like creative side of things. Um, and I guess wellness and beauty really, wellness I sort of fell into because that I sort of stumbled across that yeah. Swiss opportunity. But I'm so grateful for, that I did because a lot of the, you know, ingredient knowledge and formulation yeah, knowledge is so transferable. transferable. Yeah. And also I did the, um, sorry, just another thing. <laughs> I was also a part of the core team that helped relaunch the Swiss Beauty um, products. So and for that we thank you. Yeah, oh, you're oh. welcome. So, you know, I was sitting there like formulating, re reformulating existing products yeah. and formulating new products when I was sort of in that role. So you know, beauty's always been there for me and it just sort of was such a natural progression. So I feel, yeah, I feel so lucky to have had that opportunity. Wow. Okay. Well, let's talk sunset days because that's yes. the reason we're here. <laughs> I read that it was six years in the making, mm. but then the two in the lead up to launch was mm. where things really ramped up a bit. Talk me through it. Was there a light bulb moment? Did you have the idea for the product and then think, okay, let's make this happen? Or was it the two of you saying, okay, we've always wanted to work together on mm. something and then coming up with the concept from there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we've, like we said, we've always wanted to work together. Like I it was, that. it's just been sort of this natural progression. Yeah. Um, so we've always wanted to do that, but we didn't know really where we wanted mm. to do it. And we'd always, you know, draft up ideas of different stuff from like tech all the way through to like handpipe cannoli bars and stuff sure. like that. <laughs> sure. But um, I think we didn't really have the time or the resource for those kind of those those ideas to begin yeah. with. And then one day I sort of like came up with this idea for this product, which has now become Liquid Rays. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was it was just something that I kind of wanted and that my friends kind of wanted just something like really easy to wear every single day and just, you know, gave you this beautiful glow. And I, I was, it wasn't really like an aha moment, like this is gonna yeah. set the world on fire. I was just like, mm, this is kind of a cool idea. And I showed it to Marco and I was like, what do you think about this? Like, is this, and he was like, no, this has got legs. And we sort of like workshopped it. Mm -hmm. And then really it was just an exploratory phase after that, yeah. just to figure out those first four years were just trying to find the right partner, see if yeah. it was going to be cost effective. Like, could we actually create this product? And a lot of manufacturers turned us down. A lot of chemists turned us down. They didn't understand the concept. They, they didn't really trust two random people that were trying mm -hmm. to build this product. And um, then we finally landed on this manufacturer that everyone was like, oh, they'll be able to help you. Like, you need to go to them. I emailed them, got nothing. I called oh. them, I got nothing. So I was like, all right. I'm going to call these people every single day 
or a week until they give me an account manager. Week. I remember that week. It was, I, I was hellbound. It in Alessia's eye. <laughs> that was just like, that I was is hellbound. I was hellbound. And I, <laughs> I literally called them and they were like, all right, calm down. We're going to give you someone. So they gave us an account manager. We pitched to her the idea and she was like, amazing love it we can totally do this i'll give you a lab i'll give you a team like let's make it happen and that was kind of where it all sort of kicked off how do you like stick with it after getting that many no's oh Oh, not only did we get no's but we we one manufacturer we got we spent like six months with them trying to like you know formulate and work through it and then by the end of the process we we not only did we get a no but we got a why don't you do a BB cream? And we were like, are you kidding we were me? Like, like, I was not like, vision. I don't want a BB cream. Like, no. if I wanted a BB cream. Would have done that from the start. Yeah. That's what the brief would have been. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and because innovation is so core to what we want to do and what we do, you know, it was really, it was it was hard. But as I said, Alessia, she got a glint in her eye and it was like, and that, yeah. from that moment, like the fuser was lit, you know? Yeah. like. And I think like, you know, through our journey, even with like our jobs and stuff, we don't really take no for an answer. Yeah. You know like what that. I mean? Like it's, we just keep pushing. And I think that's really like, we've, we've learnt that through our upbringing mm. in hospitality and whatnot. You know, you just keep pushing until you, you know, you get to, to where you need to be yeah. because you will get there eventually. It's just finding the right people to help you, finding, you know, the right contacts and whatnot. So the formula itself is vegan and cruelty free. Did that present any challenges like as far as manufacturers saying no this is too hard um it didn't once we found the right manufacturer so you know again it was all about finding the right partner and it was just something that we had from the start you know it was an idea that we really wanted to be a part of our brand because Mm. I mean I think you can talk to it more but our brand is really sort of around this whole feel good beauty piece yeah do you want to talk to it I feel like I've been talking so much no no (laughs) I was like this is is exactly what we do and this is who we are so I mean I mean from a from certainly manufacturing perspective I don't think vegan and cruelty free was a thing when we when we started but we always wanted to ensure that it was kind of baked into the DNA of yeah. our brand and the product. It's just one of those things that's harder to do. Yeah. yeah. Harder to find yeah. the right people to make it happen. It's more yeah. expensive. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone's, so <laughs> typical lawyer, um, everyone's contractually obligated to ensure that we have complete supply chain transparency. Yeah, yeah. That we know exactly where everything's coming from. That we, you know, we say, and I remember drafting this clause at like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is happening. Like we're yeah. not, you know, we, we, this is the way we want to do business. Yeah, mm. we are very strict. Which is not the norm. I, I yeah. want to point that out to people listening. Yeah. That's not always the way it goes. No, yeah, we've got very sort of strict ethical standards that yeah. we want to make yeah. sure that like our suppliers that we choose are also on board with that and, yeah. mm. you know, are aligned because it's so important. And, you know, I think we wanted, we wanted the product to be sort of this feel-good beauty from um, a couple of angles, but that yeah. vegan piece was really around you know, vegan cruelty free was around making the product sort of worry free. I think there's a lot of conversation mm. um, sort of, you know, you open TikTok and you open Instagram, there's a lot of conversation about, oh, you shouldn't use this product and you should use this product. And like it's it can be quite confusing and overwhelming. So we really just wanted our customers to trust that the formula is good and we are we know what we're doing and yeah. we have the, the right partners to help build this product and not to worry about what they're putting on their and skin. And also that we don't really compromise when it comes yeah. to the product. Like Absolutely. there is no we there is no deviation from mm. that. And yeah. that's not what 
that's not who we are. Yeah. That's not the brand that we want to build. That's mm. not the products that we want to put out there. And that's mm. certainly not, you know, the way that you gain trust from from your consumers. Like, yeah. and, and from our community. Like, mm. it just, you know, it's, yeah. and it, it's not who I want to be as a customer of a brand, yeah. you know? Yeah. How did you balance those six years with working full-time. I'd mm. love your take on this because I feel like there are two very different schools of thought here in that there are people who will say you need to just devote 100% of your time to getting something off the ground, otherwise mm. you're not going to get 100% back. But then there's the other side of the coin, which I tend to think, I mean, it's safer, probably more yeah. pragmatic. Yeah. You've got to have something else going on because yeah. mm. there, there are no guarantees with starting a business. I would love to hear how you manage to balance it. Absolutely. Well, I think, I mean, the first, uh, you could kind of see our growth and development in stages. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was that exploratory phase, which was like, let's just, you know, let's just talk oh. about what we want to see, you know, mm. what we want to do, how we want to do it, you know, let's see, like, let's test the limits of what's possible. Let's get, you know, doors thrown in our faces yeah. by manufacturers. Let's <laughs> get baby creams. <laughs> um, you know, and so that was kind of like, that was a bit of a slow burn. And we were also working, we kind of, wanted a level of success in our own kind of in 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 our trades in what we yeah. studied you know mm. like we were there we were kind of we kind of loved what we were doing and what we you know still yeah. are doing now but it was that kind of balance and that kind of organic mm. growth um and then once we got to kind of like almost like as soon as the, the product was kind of created and we had something that was, that viable. was viable yeah mm. um it was like that was hard mm. like we were working you know yeah. 18, 20 hour days at our real jobs, yeah. uh, you know, the, in inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> and then we would come home and we would sit down and we would workshop and we would ideate and we would be creating all the assets in house. And, you know, I just remember looking at Alessia when, when we got the product and I was like, okay, well, why are we doing this? Mm, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why mm. are we doing this? And I think that um, from day one, once we had it, you know, in our hands, it was this idea about how, you know, beauty is a feeling and, mm. and and that's the way we yeah. kind of have grown up that's been ingrained in yeah. us and yeah. that's what we wanted to kind it's of full bring circle totally what you true. were saying about your mom. Yeah. yeah it's a feeling and and it's yeah you're right it's so like authentic to yeah. like what, how we have grown up so it felt quite natural absolutely i think as well you kind of raised an interesting point there because you're talking about not compromising yeah i think one of the benefits of staying in your your jobs because you both loved what you were doing it wasn't like we have to very quickly launch this Mm, so we can leave these jobs that we hate and start working on this it was we actually love where we're at so we can take our time with this and make sure it's perfect before we do anything about it and put it out into the world because we're not yeah miserable yeah no and i think i mean i mean you know with every profession and with every job, there are days... Of course. Like, you come home, like, I remember there were some days where I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I should have been a florist. Do you know what I mean? Like, like Me, uh, 35 minutes ago, trying to <laughs> turn the recording equipment on. I'm like, what, why, why am I why? here? Why? <laughs> why? All, the, all the tech challenges. Yeah. Why? Yeah. But, um, you know, you get through it. And, mm. we, and you know, to, we actually, it was, I think it was because you know, we got through it together. Yeah. That was that was how we kind of stayed the course. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. And I think like, you know, we have so many moments in business where, and again, you know, we both, I, I, hopefully you can tell that we're both quite creative, but al- yes. also both quite analytical. So, you know, where Marco sort of does more of the finance side of things and, you know, the, the legal side, and I do more of the consumer facing mm. stuff, we absolutely both have times where we're like, 
oh my God, I feel so stuck. I don't know what to do. So pieces of packaging that I'm designing, I'm like, oh my God, I just, I don't know how to do this. And we sit down together and we actually workshop it together and we figure it out and we always come up with a solution. It doesn't matter what it is, there will always be a solution. And I think, you know, we have so much trust for each other and that, you know, that sort of blood connection, it means that, you know, we are so like in tune and we understand how each other's brains work. So we kind of unstick the other. Yeah, I love that. 100% we can unstick the other. But yeah, it was was interesting that, because I've obviously gone full time on the brand. Yes. Yes. You've given me a very nice thing. Yes, you're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, But yeah, I, I went full time on the brand probably four or five months after we launched. Mm. So I've been working on it almost a year now. Oh, no, yeah, no, almost mm. a year now full time. And um, that was really interesting. Marco being the risk-averse lawyer was like, no, you can't leave your job. Like, don't do that. I get it. And I yeah. so get it. And it was – and because I had, I had the feeling quite early on in the piece as well. So mm. probably at the start of 2022. So we launched in December 2022. Yeah. But at the start of 2022, I was like, oh, I think I'm going to have to move yeah. to full-time pretty quickly yeah. after launch because we do need someone like if it's going to, yeah, if it's going to have, you know, it needs this someone on a yeah. full-time to have the full opportunity to reach its potential. So I, I sort of made that decision. Michael was like, Oh, I don't know how I feel about this. No, it was more, I think, I think we we're very like yin and yang. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so I'm yeah. slightly risk averse. Alessia is um, kind of more. Free spirited. Yin and spirit, yang is the know. perfect balance. And so we balance each other yeah. out really well. And I think we always knew that one of us was going to have to dedicate our all to it. Yeah. And, and it was just really when that yeah. point happened yeah. and, mm. and Alessia felt it and it, and she was yeah. like, this is, this is happening. And I was like, you yeah. know what? We had a conversation and I was like, right, all in, let's go. Yeah. You know? And I'm yeah. a big believer in gut feel. Yeah. I was about yeah. to say that as yeah. much as like you do need to have reason and logic, mm. there yeah. is something 100%. about the gut that 100%. just, yeah. Especially when you're starting a new business, because yeah. again, there's, I, my background is in data analytics, mm. analytics as well, but there's an element to a new business where you don't have all of that data. You no. don't have all of, you know, the signs to say you should do this, you have to do this. So sometimes you've just got to go with what feels right. Mm. And I'm a, I'm a really big believer, you know, if it, I, I used to work with Elle McPherson and she yes. had this theory that was like, if it makes you, so it's zing or zong. So if it makes you zing and it makes your like body like sure. energized, then you should do it. And if it zongs and it feels like not right, then you shouldn't do it. So I, I watch me start working that into future episodes. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, it is life changing. Yeah. Like once you start doing it, you're yeah. like, this makes total sense. <laughs> I love that. I did want to ask you on making the move to full time. How has that changed the way that you operate? Yeah. I mean, it was a very different way of operating. You know, mm-hmm. I'd been in a nine to five since I was 19. Yeah. So, you know, that stability, having a normal income coming every yeah. month, like that was completely out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, so while I'm doing, you know, full-time sunset days, I'm also doing marketing consulting on the side. So I'm working with brands that have probably been around for sort of five years yeah. and just going off what they think is right and, wow. you know, building this brand. And now I'm sort of coming in to help them run sort of consumer surveys and cool. get a bit more data on that and also build a strategy out for them. So 
that's also very ad hoc as well. Mm. So, you know, you'll get one period where you've got like three jobs going on and you're, I'm running sunset days and like there's so much happening. And then there'll be periods of like a lull where there's yeah. not that much happening and it's a bit more quiet. So it is very um, up and down and it has taken a while to sort of really adjust to that and get used to that almost like uncomfortable yeah. like situation. Um, but I, again, I'm a big believer in really pushing yourself out of your comfort zone um, because I think that's absolutely. where the learnings happen. Mm. That's absolutely where the learnings happen. So yeah, I think it's, it's I'm learning every day still how to manage it, but we're getting there. <laughs> so it was December, 2022 that you launched. Yeah. Was there a launch strategy? How did you get the word out there? Yeah. Talk me through that launch stage. Yeah, it was the lead up to launch was manic like it was just like we were doing everything you know we were building websites we were like just everything applying for trademarks applying for trademarks creating a corporate structure it was just it was mental there was a lot happening and so yeah we there was not a lot of sleep which is not good because balance is important (laughs) but you know sometimes you kind of got to compromise I'm so conscious now for a while I've been like no you know what you've just got to put yourself first, sleep, do yeah. all of that. But then I'm like, no, when I started working for myself, yeah, it, it's not really no. an option. No, You've just got to no. get it done. And there's times where you do have to push a little harder and times yeah. where you can sort of yeah. step back a bit. And so this was a time where, you know, diamonds are made under pressure. We had yeah. to like make that diamond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a really, you know, big sprint to that to that launch phase and really from there we sort of sat back and we were like, okay, now this is the, the hard work, you know, like – it was um, talking now, it sort of sounds like leading up to that point of getting the product to market was hard, but we always knew that getting the product out there, the mm. awareness, getting people trialing the product was actually going to be the hardest yeah. part. And so for us, it was really about um, gifting. We did a lot of gifting. We're yep. still doing a lot of gifting, getting the products into, you know, customers' hands, influencers' hands, editors' hands. That's been really a big focus for us. Um, as well as doing a lot of paid media. We've started sort of dabbling in the paid media um, side of things, which has been really good for us. And again, something that we're constantly learning, learning about and pivoting and changing. Um, So yeah, they were sort of the main sort of areas and also, you know, building out our organic social media presence. So we made the um, strategy to really sort of focus on Instagram and really start building that out. Yeah. And I actually started the Instagram two years before we even launched the brand because Smart. I wanted to build the community and really sort of... Um, get into people's algorithms. Yeah, get into yeah. the algo. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like such a way of life these days. Yeah. Like, anyway, so, um, yeah, so we really sort of focused on that and now... You know, we're trying to expand further out into TikTok and whatnot. But, you know, when there's only so many people and so many hands working on a business, you kind of have to you kind of have to niche down a little bit. Yeah, I think that's wise. Yeah. As tempting as it would be to just like throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. You've just gotta hone in on it. Gotta make the decision. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For those who haven't tried the product, talk me through liquid rays. Yeah, so liquid rays. Uh, it's essentially liquid rays of sunshine in a bottle. That's how we sort of like to refer yeah. to it. Um, and they're bronzing pigment drops, but they're sort of a hybrid between makeup and skincare. And they're not a BB cream. And they're, they're not definitely not a BB cream. So, yeah, so I guess like looking at both elements of it, the makeup side of things, you know, we wanted the product to be really lightweight and super sort of 
light coverage so it doesn't cover up your natural skin because we believe that you know your natural skin should be the centerpiece of every mm-hmm. look and it's really about creating that creating that bronzed vacay glow you know it's that again when we spoke about feel good beauty for us we were like what what does that feeling actually you know that carefree mm. blissful feeling what is that and it, the image that kept coming up in our brains was when you're on holiday and you're sipping on a beautiful spritz yep. and you're by a beach and you're watching this like iridescent sunset. Mm. So, and your skin's always amazing on, like you just yeah. glow. You don't even yeah. need to wear anything and you're just glowing. Um, so there's that sort of makeup side of things, but then the skincare side of things, you know, we spend so much money and time on making sure that our skin is, you know, healthy and, you know, there's sort of that element to it. And so we wanted to make sure that, this makeup product was also helping enhance your skin health. So, you know, it's vegan, it's full of natural ingredients like avocado oil, which is great for moisturizing. Mm. It's got green tea extract, kiwi extract, which are really powerful antioxidants that sort of help protect from, you know, pollution damage. And we also have this patent blend of ingredients in there um, that helps protect from blue light damage. So, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's all this research coming out that, you know, blue light is extended exposure to blue light is damaging your skin. So, um, you know, we really worked really hard with this supplier um, to to create this sort of I mean, we we didn't create, but we worked through with our lab to, to find an ingredient combination that would help protect from blue light so wow. and we knew our customer like we yeah. were very clear um, on I, who our customer was we from also were our customer you know yeah. what i mean like we were sitting in front of laptops yeah. for you know 20 hours sometimes. yeah yeah so. and so we wanted to make sure that we were again protecting them from you know all all elements and all aspects so that was really important for us and it's a really effortless product we wanted to make sure that it was added into any beauty routine anyway you kind of add one or two yeah. drops into your moisturizer or your primer or any beauty base and just sort of pop it on your skin and and glow. And a lot of our customers have actually taken it in so many different directions. Like they use sort of um, 7 p.m. Tulum to bronze up the edges Mm -hmm. or, you know, they've used it as an eyeshadow. So it's quite a multi-purpose product as well, which we absolutely love. That's such a good point too in that this isn't something that's competing for space on your dresser, in your makeup bag. Like it's just a complimentary product. absolutely just a complimentary product. And that was like... For us, that was like where the the idea really started. Mm. Like we didn't want to sort of overcomplicate things because yeah. it, it can be so complicated already that we just wanted something that you can just add in and and go. You know, something that always fascinates me as a consumer, but also someone that's speaking with brands all the time, is brands that launch the one product because you look at a Frank body with the coffee scrub, mm. you look yeah. at a summer Fridays with the jet lag mask. Yeah. It can be the greatest thing ever, yeah. but there's such a risk because yeah. it's like you can do one thing and do it so well mm-hmm. and put all of your time and money and energy and resources into that. Or you can launch, you know, a, a suite of products if you will. And mm. that way, if one of them doesn't perform, it's not the whole brand's reputation yeah. gone was that part of the strategy for you guys? Mm. I think so. I think it was, I mean, there are a number of factors that led us to kind of launching kind of Liquid Rays as our hero product. Yeah. And I mean, it was really driven by firstly the idea. Mm. But, you know, yeah. It's what we wanted to put out there. It's what we loved. Yeah. It's what we kind of, you know, have created in our study, you know, 
three years prior to actually getting it into our hands. Yeah. Um, and so from that, you know, we're really eager to kind of share that with our community and kind of bring it out there and also make sure that it is an accurate representation of what we wanted to put out in the world. Mm. You know, this beauty is a feeling kind mm -hmm. of, I don't know, like message. Yeah. I think it's in incredibly emblematic of that. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, other factors that, that kind of led to it and kind of more, I think, like the practical realities of starting a, a, a beauty brand mm -hmm. were kind of, kind of drove it really. Yeah. I mean, firstly, we were two people and yeah. we were working full-time jobs yeah. um, in pretty demanding industries. So to kind of get a, a suite, a product range out there that actually to the, to the standards and to the level that we wanted yeah. Yeah. and uh, crafted in a way which kind of we were happy to stand behind mm. would have taken, oh you my know, God. We wouldn't be sitting here talking sitting about it because no. you'd still be <laughs> exactly yeah. right. another six years yeah. later. Another six years. So, and, you know, and so and so that's kind of what drove it. And then also, like, where we make all of our formulations in Australia. So it's yeah. all Australian made. Yes. We consciously did that from day one and it is expensive. And yeah. we did yeah. not compromise on the product yeah. at all. Yeah. So we wanted to be sure that, you know, it, it was what it was. Mm. And, you know, we're only two people, yeah. you know. So that was... That was it. And, that, and um, thankfully, our community's really resonated with the product. Yeah. It has soared yep. to, to, you know, mm. the heights that we were hoping it would be. Yeah, it's a beautiful product. And, yeah. um, and we, um, I think that was another thing as well. Like we really wanted to sort of test the market yeah. with yeah. one product as well and put it out there and, and get their feedback. Because I think the beauty of still being sort of a smaller brand is that you can really engage with your customers. Mm. And like, you know, we call them our dazed fans. So, you know, like we talk to them and we hear what they have to say and, you know, we sort of change things and tweak things and we really believe innovation is an evolution. Like, yeah. you know, just sit a product on a shelf and like that's it. You don't yeah. like look at it again. So for us, we wanted to see what they thought about the brand and about the product and and sort of go from there. So And it has been really positive, you know, like... I remember when we first started getting feedback from people who we weren't related to, who <laughs> yeah, not obliged to tell oh us gosh. nice things. Um, it was just amazing. And again, you know, we were getting people saying to us, I feel amazing while I'm wearing this product. And oh, that yes. for us was like, hallelujah, we've done it. That's like that's exactly it. what we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. The first Instagram comment that we got, I think Alessia and I both looked at each other and there was like, we got a little misty because oh. it was like, I don't know, it's <laughs> yes. ridiculous, but I was just No, like, it doesn't at all. It was just like, it was It was just more yeah. than anything, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like it, was, it just felt oh, it really was, good. It was a zing, Yeah, you know? it was a zing. <laughs> it was a zing, the biggest zing of the world. Oh, I love that. You mentioned that it's expensive. If yeah. you're willing, I would love to touch on funding just because mm. I think it's so useful for anyone wanting to start a business, Absolutely. whether that's in beauty or otherwise. Are you? Did you guys self-fund it? And what are like? What would you say are the benefits of self-funding versus going out and like seeking external investment? Mm. So yeah, we are 100% self-funded. Yeah, um, we unreal. Have rated mm. our savings account yeah. <laughs> um, to bring this kind of to life. Yeah, um, bootstrapped all the way, and I think. That's kind of what we wanted to do, mm. you know, like I think um, – so I've had the opportunity of working with a ton of startups when I was yeah. early in my career and I've kind of seen the gamut of, um, you know, funding models and, and, and you know, investment deals yeah. and, you know, where startups have taken, you know, investment early on versus later on and it was something that I would think we both really wanted to kind of firstly put our money where our mouth was because yeah. for us it was incredibly important that the product was, you know – there was a bit of authorship around yes. the product. Yeah. 
um, you know, and you know, and that took an incredible amount of sacrifice. Yeah. But also, there's l- those film studies. I know. Just peppering that. Wow. But you know, like it, it's true. Every facet of the product is, you know, emblematic of us mm. in our DNA. Mm. You know, like yeah. it, is, it is us. And I don't think, you know, taking bringing third party investment on too early kind of may have stifled that. You know, yeah. you have to report to a board. You've got certain targets that you got to hit, and I don't think that's what we wanted to do. Like we really mm. wanted to work together yep. um, and enjoy the kind of process of working together. Mm. And, you know, I think also delaying investment from what I've seen and from, you know, the clients that I've worked with mm. kind of gives the founders like an opportunity to be really picky on who they end up. Yeah. You know, eventually in every, or in most brands life cycle, you will need to take on and external investment yeah, sure. it's just a, a way of the world you yeah. know especially mm-hmm. if you want to get to the us or uk or you know it's 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 expensive. what has to it's yeah. expensive you need it and you need the knowledge as well exactly yeah. right and the networks and and i think for us we really want to find you know if we do decide to kind of go down that route we want to find someone that you know we can work with not only from a capital perspective but from an experience perspective yeah. and who has the right network and yeah. knowledge and and guidance to really kind of take us to the ne- next yeah, level yeah such a good point because I yeah. guess if you rush into it, then yeah, you are just looking at it from a capital perspective, and, yeah. and it doesn't. What are you work. getting from it? Yeah, and usually, you know, uh, particularly from what I've seen, um, kind of brands that do seek funding earlier on, they're kind of the deals aren't that good. Mm. Like, it's it's yeah. you know, it's really hard to kind of uh, get someone to invest in idea in an idea, especially when you're kind of coming from very different industries mm. and haven't really kind of put your kind of you know, you haven't really clocked up any wins or any yeah. kind of runs on the board. Yeah. And so for us, it was really important as kind of as founders to really kind of like, like, you know, walk the talk. Like yeah. we want to kind of be successful in yeah. our own right. And then, you know, and then what? let's see what else is possible. Yeah. yeah. I do want to touch on product development without giving anything away because oh, yeah. I might have just had a little sneaky look <laughs> oh, at a product that is yeah. <laughs> perhaps in the works. How does that product development process work mm. for you? Were you guys already thinking about what might come next or yep. are you creating based on something that your customers have asked for? Yep. Is it a balance of both? How does that go for you? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely when we launched Liquid Rays, we had an idea of what we wanted mm-hmm. to follow um, because naturally, you know, we want to be planned out. We want to have yes. our strategy, our yeah. you know, North Star. Um, but as we've sort of said, engaging with our customers, listening to them, we've actually changed that pipeline. And uh-huh. that is also what we think as well as the beauty of it just being us two at the moment, that we can yeah. be quite flexible, can be quite agile. So this year we're launching four more products. Four. Hopefully, hopefully, yes. <laughs> One of them is a merch item, but, you know, it's still a product. It's still a product. <laughs> <laughs> and two of them have been based off of customer feedback. Love that. Yeah, and we actually also on our website have an area where you can go and give us, like, ideas, oh, you know. So nice. Because the idea came from an idea that we had and yeah. that we wanted. Yeah. And I know that, like, we're not extraordinary consumers and customers, you know. If there's if we wanted something, then someone else out yeah, there wanted yeah. it, right? So, you know, that idea of co-creation is really important for us and we've definitely brought that into our pipeline of products. Mm. So 
We are going to be launching um, Sample Pack, yes, which has been something that customers have been wanting for ages. Great. And so, again, just sort of balancing resource and time and whatnot. So that's going to be on the cards. We've got cute little, like, clips coming out oh, just perfect. to, like, you know, pin back your hair while you're putting your liquid razor on. Also fun TikTok moment. Um, so super fun. fun. And they're yeah. super cute and they're, like, little waves and colourful and stuff. You'll love them. Love. They're adorable. Um, and then the other two products we won't share just yet, but Gemma, yes, you did uh, have a little... My my lips are sealed. Yeah, and I might be maybe wearing it today as well. So, you know. That's <laughs> so exciting. Yeah, it is. You have obviously both had a vested interest in the world of beauty for a mm. very long time. Alessia, you've worked in beauty and wellness. Yeah. Over the last few years, let's say five years, what have been some of the biggest changes that you guys have seen within the beauty industry? Yeah, well, I think from my perspective, I've just seen – beauty start to merge with so many adjacent categories like and I think it's these categories looking at beauty and seeing that it has been around for literally ever Mm -hmm. and it is just never sort of going anywhere and it's mammoth right it's this massive category so I think seeing this this like intersection between you know beauty and wellness for example Mm -hmm. when I started at Swiss like nine years ago you know, there was maybe the hair, skin, nail product, but that was kind of it. Yeah. And now there's like brands dedicated to beauty wellness. You know, you've got Vita Glow, you've got mm. um, Beauty Chef. Like there's so many of them these days. And, you know, even looking at like beauty and tech now, you know, Dyson yeah. going into beauty was like a vacuum cleaner brand going yep. into beauty was iconic. So mm. I think, you know, that's been the biggest change. And I think that's just what we're going to see continuing to happen. Like beauty is just going to start intersecting with so many more categories as it just gets bigger and continues to grow. Well, I was going to ask what changes do you think we might see next, but yeah, more (laughs) of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. so. What do you think? think, Well, I think also, I mean, customers and consumers Mm. have become so smart, you know, like savvy, unbelievable and the level of knowledge. And it's not just like, okay, you go into Priceline, there are three moisturizers on the shelf, pick one. You know Mm. what I mean? Yeah. The market is saturated. Consumers are savvy and smart and it has become a passion and a hobby to kind of understand, you know, what's under the hood ingredients everything yeah and i think that's really where um you know brands really need to be completely transparent yeah Yeah. completely customer and community centric yeah Yeah. and i think that's kind of as long as that is kind of your north star yeah that's you know that's how you become successful and they're getting younger and like savvier and younger again i was about to say it kind of takes us back to what we're talking about at the start about the seven-year-olds in sephora i just read over the weekend an article in New York magazine mm. where they were saying that these seven, eight-year-olds are going in yeah. and saying, I'm looking for a serum with a retinoic acid, but I, um, you know, like oh all of these. God. And, I, and I would prefer it if it had a niacinamide in there as well, but, you know, unsure, it's, where can you take me? And they're like, what do you mean? Yeah. I mean, can we go back to like when we were in the playground, you know, yeah. exchanging lip smackers? Seriously. Like it was funny gold on a gold. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like it was crazy. You know, it's, it's just come such a long way. That yeah. being said, though, I am taking beauty tips from a seven year old as we speak. <laughs> One of my best friend's daughters is like, I swear, she has a master's degree and she's like, love it. I think you need more hyaluronic acid in your life. And I was like, I think you might be right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you are, you know, out of the mouth of babes. In the mouth you know? of babes. Yeah, I know. Wow. All right, guys, my final question. Mm. What is next for Sunset Days? 
Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot <laughs> coming. But um, no, we're really excited. We've we've sort of done our planning for the next 12 months, um, which has been such a fun process to do together. And we, at the start of each year, want to sort of set, you know, big goals for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we do three big goals. This has been the first year we've done it, but we yeah. will be continuing to do it moving <laughs> forward. The inaugural goal setting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah that's begun. it. Um, and so one of those big goals for us, um, oh my God, it's just left my brain. <laughs> They're huge goals, hey? Um, one of the big goals was to bring the brand to life yes. and to bring it into reality a bit more. So mm-hmm. like we've said, the last 12 months have really been sort of around digital building up that e-commerce side of things for us and we're really keen to sort of get in front of our customers and like we said you know our customers are the forefront of like everything we do every decision we make so we want to get in front of them we want to bring the brand to life we want to tell the story we want to do events we want to be sort of out there and bring it like into reality that's one of them and I think the second one is and this was from day one this was mm. part of kind of all of the work we did around feel good beauty mm. is really kind of I don't think you can be a beauty brand that talks about feel good beauty without kind of addressing the other side yeah and it's really mm. the piece around us giving back to our community in a meaningful impactful way and so I think our um, our kind of reason of being is kind of around talking around feel good and you have to kind of acknowledge that sometimes people don't feel good or can't feel good and so I think uh, kind of contributing to the mental health space is really something that we're really passionate about Mm -hmm. you know we've seen friends and family kind Mm -hmm. of and I mean if you look at the statistics it's just awful you know one in seven Australians have had some sort of mental health crisis you know in the last 12 months and then if you even like you know work further into those stats LGBTQI communities Mm. are suffering you know, um, you know, young, young girls. girls. Yeah, yeah. It's just awful. And yeah. I think we've built this platform for a reason and that is to kind of be a force of good. Yeah. And that's kind of where we want to kind of grow and have wanted to. Yeah. But it's been a big year. Yeah, and so, and so now we've yeah. got some space. Yeah, and we really want to focus on that this yeah. year. So Love. we'll be working through that. And then the third is a bit of a trade <laughs> secret. Can't tell you that yes, one. That's, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Two out of three and bad, as they say. But yeah. you will be the first... Second, you'll be the second person outside of our mum. Yeah. When we pull it off, <laughs> oh, you will work. You will be the first. Yeah. <laughs> you know where to find me. Yeah, yeah we do. <laughs> that was Alessia and Marco Angeli, founders of Sunset Days, which you can find on Instagram at underscore sunset underscore days underscore. To read more, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemdiamond or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Diamond. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me. The Glow Journal podcast would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people, the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced. We pay our respects to elders past and present.